Primary Care Knowledge Boost, COVID-19, Episode 8. Primary Care Nursing During COVID-19. Hello and welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today we're talking about nursing in primary care and the community during this COVID-19 pandemic. Yep, so today we talk about how the job role has changed um, in primary care and community nursing and the innovative ways in which nurses are working and the support available to them, as well as how other community colleagues um, can help the nursing teams during this difficult time. Yeah, they've been doing an absolutely amazing job and we wanted to highlight the work um, that they've been doing and talk about challenges that are specific to their job at this time. Um, So we hope you enjoy. So we'll just start with introductions. Um, Would you all like to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Leslie Royal Pryor. I'm the Primary and Community Nurse Lead for Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership. Hi, I'm Moi Rogan Sarkin. I'm Greater Manchester Training Hub Lead Nurse Educator and also Lead Nurse for Practice Renewal for Salford Primary Care Together and Hands-On Practice Nurse at the moment. Hi, I'm Joanna Birchow. I'm a GP in um, Staley Bridge, which is in Thameside and Glossop CCG in Greater Manchester. And I'm the Clinical Director of the Greater Manchester GP Excellence Programme. So today we're talking all about community nursing. Can you just let us know, so how would you say community nursing has changed in primary care since COVID-19? Massively. I think it's evolved very quickly for both community nurses and practice nurses. Many nurses have had to make rapid adjustments and changes in the roles and the way that they provide care with this ever-changing circumstances that we're in, really. They've had to show great resilience and the ability to rise to a challenge while they're still maintaining sort of uh, high-quality care, you know, safe care. Um, do you have any thoughts, Moira, is it, uh, for being on the ground? How have you seen that it's changed? I think, as Leslie said, that we've adapted very quickly. I think each GP surgery has found their own challenges, mm-hmm. whether they've been a single-handed practice or a practice within a large building. They've either done things outside, used car parks and things like that, or changed how they've worked inside. Yeah. And now we are learning how to triage and the risks that come with triaging, we're learning to adapt quite quickly because before GPs were very good at triaging patients, but nurses not as good. So we've learned a lot of new ways and how to ask questions and listen to answers. So I think for nurses, we've had quite a steep learning curve quite quickly, but we've learned to adapt the new environment. Yeah, I think I'd, ag- I'd agree with that, Moira. So GPs were perhaps more used to offering care over the telephone, even even beyond triage. I know some of our nurses would say follow up uh, results for someone who was working by, by over the phone, but the vast majority was face to face where we get all the advantage of those kind of non-verbal communication things which help. I'm wondering whether you've had any experiences of the nurses starting to use video consultation at all. Uh, not in our practice yet, but I, I do know in a couple of practices in Salford they have. And things like the diabetic foot check, patients have actually shown the feet, you know, over the phones or taken photos over the phone. So it is coming in. And, but I think for nurses, we need a little bit more training on that. Where the GPs are just so used to it, we found it quite difficult. You know, it's been a massive learning curve for me. I think it's that I haven't done much telephone triage as a GP. I've qualified a few years ago now. I've not been in practices that have used it much. So it's a it's a completely different set of skills, I think, for telephone. And I read a lot about especially secondary care nurses and community nurses as well, obviously. 
you know, gowning up and putting the full face masks on and patients not being able to see you smile. It's a lot of that with, with our work. A lot is nonverbal communication. I think what, what we find in the GP setting, I guess, is that video is helping to re- replace some of that nonverbal that we're missing from the face-to-face. But yes, as you said, it's probably taken a little bit longer to come into nursing. So in terms of practice nursing, what is life like at the moment for, for you as a practice nurse? And how's the job changed? The job's changed quite a lot. Mornings tend to be our triage, so everything gets put on a triage list and we work our way through it, whether we need to see them, whether we need to do a telephone review. And then the afternoons, we then look at bringing patients in that need to. So it could be baby ins. Everything we do over the phone first. So when they come in, we basically just give them the injections and out they go. We've no time to interact, you know, how's mum, how's baby? how you bonding, any problems. So we are missing that interaction. The healthcare assistants are doing the, just the blood. So what we're doing is all the long-term condition questions over the phone. And then we're only bringing those in at the moment that are high risk, so with a high HbA1c or using these that are a bit out of sync. Asthma and COPD, we're sending them questionnaires out first. And then we ring them up two weeks late and go through them. So we're keeping up with the long-term conditions. Yeah, It's something that we're quite conscious of so that when hopefully lockdown does finish, we're not trying then madly to catch up. We've done a lot of the groundwork, but we're, we're trying to signpost them to things like Asthma UK for inhaler technique. There's some nice videos about how to use their inhalers. So they've got all the different types of inhalers on there. So we're signposting more now. It's become more of a signposting way of life, I think. And what about, I know in some places um, there's been a, a slight decrease in demand on GP surgeries for, for the longer term conditions. Has there been any guidance or anything on how nurses should be helping to tackle the slight drop in the presentations for the long term conditions? I think people are frightened to come into general practice as a whole. So if you wouldn't want to go in with a long term condition. So I know a lot of nurses are doing what they call in comfort calls. So they're checking their shielded patients as well to make sure that they are okay, that they've got the medications they need and if they need any support or signposting anywhere. I agree. I think that outreach stuff's been lovely for the nurses and the HCAs to be involved in because people feel genuinely cared about with a phone call that's come out of the blue from a you know clinician they know cares about them. I think in terms of patients who are frightened to come in or the drop off in demand, pretty much every practice has got a different way of setting up its recall systems. And I think what happened you know, just around the time of lockdown and just before is because we needed to stop people just walking through the door because many people were unaware that their symptoms could mean they were carrying coronavirus or or had COVID-19 and were potentially bringing it to practice. And that kind of ability to just come into your appointment stopped incredibly quickly and practice machinery and kind of leapt into into place and everyone was contacted and told not to come and in a kind of flurry which I think almost left the impression that general practice was closed for business um, initially Um, and that of course was a bit of a false impression it was just an immediate response to needing to stop people just walking in and could potentially infect other patients or, or our staff and turning that around is a is a kind of a conversation that needs to be had between the clinicians and the management team of every practice to find out what were our previous recall systems and how can we now 
generate some kind of proactive recall system that is safe for patients and kind of risk stratified. And, and, and many nurses are actively involved in, in running their own recall systems and, um, and in other practices, they're completely run by um, managers in the practice. So if you're a um, GP practice nurse and you're not sure what the current system is in your practice, then, then you've now got an important role to play in trying to shape that because you know your patients with long-term conditions and, and you also know how long it might take you to do something over the phone compared to face-to-face in a way that the manager running the practice may not, may not know. So I'd say if, you, if you're a GP practice nurse in an organisation, you're not sure how your recall's now working, um, even if it worked brilliantly before, get in there and try and shape it would be, would be my tip. You know your workload and your, your patients best. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just going to say about that, Joanna. You know, obviously, before all this happened, we had this um, issue in, in general practice where we had... Uh, workforce issues with practice nurses nearing retirement or retired or issues getting practice nurses into general practice or very new nurses in general practice. So really, there will be practices out there that will have very, very new nurses in that really will be quite sort of, I would imagine, quite frightened, really, because one of being new to general practice to not being able to challenge what's already been done and three, being thrown into this weird world that we're in at the moment. So it, it must be, it'll be quite difficult for some of these new nurses, I imagine. I think your point is so good about nurses sometimes, especially the new ones who are inexperienced and they don't feel they can challenge or, or even know what the right questions to ask because they assume everybody else knows them. But in this new world, there's lots of things that none of us know. I just wondered whether, you know, things that have happened in various localities to support the nurses. In our Townsend and Glossop CCG area, one of the practice nurses has set up a WhatsApp group for all the um, GPNs to be part of, because sometimes that informal support, what's everybody doing about this, is really useful. There are informal supports and I know that there are support on Facebook and there's WhatsApp groups and local CCGs have that support network as well with their um, nurses that are in the CCGs to support practice nurses out there. Apart from that, it's going towards the RCN, the NMC. There is quite an abundance out there of information. It's sifting through it and knowing where to go for it. And as Leslie said, each CCG seems to have a nurse on the COVID group or is giving information out. I know for Salford, it's me. So practice nurses have a point of contact to uh, ask questions. And, you know, if they're not sure about something or something's worrying, there's somewhere to go to. It's a voice that we can go to. We've covered about long-term conditions, but amongst them are learning disability reviews. Has anyone come up with any kind of ways of doing those? Because that's quite a challenge for telephones or videos. We haven't really. We've done a, a few via the telephone, which is quite difficult. So we're just trying to review and see whether anybody's got any suggestions across Salford. We've asked the learning disability team, have they any suggestions to put into place? But We've not had an answer yet. Joanna, as your region, of- we're in exactly the same position. You, you can, you can tick boxes, can't you, over the phone? But it doesn't feel like quality care in terms of looking at the health needs and health and well-being of somebody with learning disability. But yeah, that 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 face-to-face, that touch, that being there, we we know it adds so much value. We've always had patients that have just come to see us, really, haven't we? You know, elderly patients that, you know, it's been a routine that they've called in. They know the receptionists. 
be have a chat to pick the prescription up, maybe not see anybody else. So, you know, it's it's lonely out there. So it's those people, really. Uh, but who knows, on a positive note, maybe they're now finding their support structures somewhere else, which could be something which could be of benefit to them, I guess. I, I imagine that those check-in phone calls that you mentioned before, Leslie, the nurses and, and HCAs are doing are possibly filling in some of that, that gap. We know our social prescribing link worker team are very keen to be involved with exactly that kind of person that is um, socially disconnected and that maybe this pandemic has highlighted that in a way that, you know, we hadn't realised before. And we're all going to have to change our thinking and realise there are other professionals out there that can help and support um, us to support our patients. So, And I know that the nurses are a good source of referrals to the social prescribing link workers usually. We've talked um, quite a bit there about the practice nursing, um, but it's probably worth us speaking a little bit about kind of the community colleagues, the district nurses out there. Do you know what life has been like for them at the minute and, and how it's changed with COVID? I think it's been tough. I think they've had a hard time. Um, I think they had the same issues that we had previously where they were low on the ground for numbers um, and were trying to recruit. I think that they've had a lot of early discharge back into the home to relieve the hospital. So they had a lot of patients come back onto their books quite quickly and they still had quite a lot going on. I think they had an increased demand in obviously end of life care, which is what they're fantastic for. But I think the increase was there as well. And all the added infection prevention and control issues, PPA and all that, that, uh, you know, they've had. I think they've really had it tough. And they're the backbone keeping everything going. And have they switched much of their work to remote um, or the or is a lot of it still happening going into the home? From what I'm reading, that's all. I found it's a half and half. It's whatever they can do by video consults. I think they're doing a lot of team meetings by video consultation and uh, discussing patients like that rather than getting together. And I imagine their workload is it's still out there. It won't change. Yeah, having spoken to our district nursing team, they are doing a completely amazing job, definitely, and in incredibly difficult positions. And they are taking the bulk of having to see people and going face to face more than than general practice. And um, yeah, and with things like the ulcer clinics shutting and things like that like you say in early discharges their their demand has gone up so I know that they've had a lot more face-to-face and yeah like you say it's already pressured so they're they're doing amazing. I think one of the um, opportunities of the pandemic has been to I guess help general practice and district nursing to work a little bit more together on certain aspects so I certainly know some examples where the district nurses and the GPs have worked together on really does this need to be a 12 weekly B12 injection? You know, often with 12 weekly, the levels are in the thousands and, and actually most people don't need it that frequently. So that's really helped the district nurses. And if they approach the practices to say, can you just help me with which of these I need to prioritize? And is there another way we can do them? Then that's helpful. There's been examples of practices and sending their GP practice nurse to train care home staff to give insulins so that it relieves the district nurse from a task that they've been traditionally doing, which is very time consuming. I think that's, I think about working together, there's been big opportunities for working together, but I think we, we need to build on and, and continue with as we, as we move forward. I think as general practice staff, we're so protected against this infection by being able to see so few people face to face currently. I mean, I think that will need to change if we're going to offer decent primary care but 
for the moment, whereas our nursing, our community nurses are absolutely out there dealing with people straight from hospital who are, who are known to have um, COVID-19. So I think we are grateful for that. And this is a time for us to all maybe help each other. Yeah. And like you say, there's um, opportunities there to try and make life easier in terms of injections and things like that. Have you any other thoughts about what, what other, either other members of the team or other things can be done to try and help um, support nursing colleagues in the community, either district nurses or practice nurses? I think we are reviewing it like Joanna said about like B12, where before we traditionally just gave every three months, we're now looking at them, do they need it? So we've put the number of B12 injections down incredibly in uh, general practice and things like depot careers can they go over to a POP you know if it's safe to do so so there's a lot more reviewing of the patients and reducing the amount of people coming into surgery I think. I saw a wonderful um, piece and I, I'll try and find it Lisa and Sarah so that you can put it on the resources but it was um, a very simple guide which came from one of the hospital trusts somewhere out of our area for people or their relatives or carers showing them how to do wound care and how to clean and redress wounds and what to look out for and I thought well this isn't just for now this is this is great care because not only does it help people with that kind of empowers them to know maybe next time they have a wound they know what to do because they've been used to doing it it also released pressure on community nursing teams so um, and and it was very and um, very straightforward actually taught me quite a bit about wound care that I probably didn't know. Sounds handy. Yes we'll definitely link to that if you can find it that sounds excellent. I mean that's teaching patients and, and carers but it, when you're talking about the training for practice nurses or district nurses so all the face-to-face training now and Moira will agree with me obviously isn't isn't available now but you've still got to keep yourself up to date so you've still got to find the answers or query things so I think we'll all be accessing things via webinars and you know online access to teaching and podcasts obviously Um, so if we um, kind of sum up then, um, if each of you wants to just say what you want our listeners to take away from today's discussion. Can I think about that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you go first, Leslie. <laughs> well, do you, know, do you know what I'd like to say, really? 2020 is the year of the nurse. This week is Florence Nightingale's birthday and we, we celebrate nursing. So really, this is about shining a light. This virus has brought nursing into the fore. I think it's given the voice that nurses have needed to speak up, that they've wanted to say for a long time about what they do and the value of nursing. Oh, Leslie. Some positives in amongst the, the turmoil of the pandemic. Exactly. It has, an, and I think um, support for nurses to continue to adapt what they do so they still add so much value to uh, looking after people um, in the community. I think part of doing this podcast is to encourage the nurses out there within primary care and community settings to be creative and imaginative. We know they've got it in them and sometimes they just need permission to do that, need permission to adapt and permission to shine because we know they can. I think it's definitely given the nurses more of a voice in practices as well and they are team working more than they did before. They're not just the nursing team, the whole surgery is a team from reception down to the clinicians and everybody's working as one now I find and they're talking more to each other which is can only be a good thing exactly 
Oh, well, thank you guys for um, speaking to us today. Um, like you said, Liz, it's really nice to highlight the nurses this week and that's why we wanted to get this one out. Um, and we really appreciate you taking the time out to, to talk to us about our very important nurse colleagues. Oh, thank you. So it was so nice to be able to chat to our nursing colleagues today and find out what life has been like for them and highlight their incredible work during um, COVID. What did you learn, Sarah? Yeah, um, I took away quite a lot from that, definitely. Yeah, so particularly talking about reviews, it's made me think that though we're dealing with some of the kind of prioritising blood tests, I don't know how much we're doing of the reviews as well and sort of taking advantage of kind of what you can do over the phone or video. Yeah. So that that's made me think that I can bring that to our practice, definitely. Yeah, I think um, they were right when they were saying about how now's the time to think about changing your recall system. Um, and, and how you do reviews and, and think about it when you've got the opportunity, I guess. And yeah, it was also interesting thinking about um, nursing consultations and how non-verbals are really important to them as well. And perhaps that maybe video needs to be adopted by our nursing colleagues as well, which I hadn't fully considered, I don't think. Yeah, it sounds like so important really for everyone. Um, and then at the end, um, it was uh, useful to, again, consider um, how it can sometimes be difficult for, for nurses in the community to maybe speak up and challenge processes that have been in place for a long time, particularly new nurses. And But they're, but they're sometimes best placed to actually know how things should be changing and what needs to be done. So yeah, really nice message to, to tell them out there not to be afraid to speak up and, and they will they will know things that are really important for us to know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just having those discussions is so important important um well and and also working as a team as well the fact that it, you know we're all thinking about different solutions together and you know teamwork is much better than people trying to think of it on their own yeah um i also really liked the thoughts about resources just in terms of different ways of signposting um i know that as in my work as a gp i've been doing a lot of signposting to different resources but actually everyone is and sort of pooling your pooling what you've got would be really useful so the asthma uh, the asthma uk thing i'll be using um very important points there i think so yeah thank you to everybody who's been in touch with us we've got lots of different ways that you can get in contact if you want to um we've got twitter and our handle is at pckb podcast and you can also um, email us and our email address is primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com yep and we've also got a little survey monkey link on um, the episode description which takes one minute or two minutes to fill out and is always really lovely when we get emails with those so um, and you can put suggestions there as well it's anonymous till next time on primary care knowledge boost Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Greater Manchester in 2020. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.